Welcome to Town Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. Today, we're privileged to have with us the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour. In case you're uh, tuning in for the very first time to the Talent Talk radio show, give you a little idea of how this works. We Basically, we feature a wide range of guests who are uniquely talented and care about talent themselves. So in this show, we talk about talent in those two ways. First, as it relates to success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people. And second, we talk about talent and how it works in relation to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates today. Hopefully you see how that works. The word talent has a couple different meanings in, in the business world, and so we really look to explore those two areas. My guests tend to include CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR executives, coaches, and consultants. And generally what happens is I'm out at networking events and industry conferences, and I have the privilege of meeting inspiring leaders all the time. So I created this forum to allow you to listen on our dialogue and hopefully learn some practical advice that will you know, impact your own career in a positive way. Before I get to my guest today, I want to thank those of you who are tuning in live, but don't forget you can submit your questions via Twitter. Just tweet them to at PeopleG2. Use the hashtag Talent Talk, and my producer, Mike, will feed me the best questions, and we'll try to work them into the show. You can also send suggestions for future questions, future guests, and anything else that's on your mind uh, by using that hashtag and sending it to at PeopleG2. Don't forget you can also... Uh, Tune in to the show via a podcast, uh, most popular ways through iTunes, but you can grab it through Android and other mediums, and you can subscribe to have that weekly show sent to you. Uh, as of this week, we have over 22,000 people who subscribe to the podcast, and we really appreciate you listening. With that said, let me get today's show started. My guests today are Martin George, the CEO and founder of the Language Training Center, and uh, Sh- Charlene Lauby the president of ITM Group and author of The HR Bartender. Charlene will be joining me in the second half of the show. But let me get to my first guest. Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, I know you and I met uh, over in, in D.C. at the Inc. Conference, but uh, for the mm-hmm. benefit of the of, of my listeners, uh, you know, tell us a little about yourself and, of course, your company, the Language Training Center. Well, you know, I'm probably a throwback. I was a professor, you know, sitting in my office doing what uh, professors do, think about how to educate students, really the director of English as a Second Language program at IUPUI in Indianapolis, when I really had uh, a lot of companies calling me with needs for language services in Indianapolis, and I solved that need back in really 1993. And so our company right now is a full-service, one-stop shop called the Language Training Center that offers a variety of services like translation, interpreting, cross-cultural training, and language training. Oh, that's fascinating. So you're able to help uh, employees that need to learn a new language or, you know, in times when they need to bridge a gap, a language gap, is that kind of the different areas that you're tackling? Yeah, exactly. And and you hit the nail on the head when, you know, this is a B2B forum. So it's not your uh, high school Spanish class where you did free, free stay, free, free most well, and fill right. in the blanks. 
I mean, this is really helping people to either travel overseas and make connections with um, co-employees, maybe in Austria or Germany, China, Japan, and they want to be able to greet and meet and erase some of, you know, what we might consider here in the United States the ugly American syndrome, and it really gets to the heart of the matter. So we do what's called a needs analysis right at the beginning, and we say, if you could say anything to your counterparts in a meaningful way as an adult speaker of this new language, what do you want to be able to communicate? What do you want to be able to know? So we might not get it, their grammar sounding perfect, their pronunciation might still sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger out in California, but they can communicate their thoughts mm-hmm. on a grand scale. Right. Oh, that's really important. From the time that you were sitting in your office there being a professor to, to where you are today, what was sort of the biggest challenge that you had in, in getting your company to where you really wanted it to be? You know, I think um, as I reflect on that, I think about every five years, maybe even three to five years, the company goes in a little different direction, whether it's technology, people coming and going. And I, I really had to think, you know, it's having our processes keep up with the growth. That's the that's the key challenge. And the processes are really people-driven. So as I reflect on it, every three to five years, I really have to evaluate, do I have the right people who can put the right processes in place for today's business environment. Right, right. So I imagine, you know, the people that you have uh, involved with your company are, are going to be a big part of that success and that growth and also making sure you're you're pivoting every 3 to 5 years as you need to. So when you consider that overall hiring that you've done, you know, are there maybe some key things that you think you've done to, to really hire top talent? Well, you know, I I think we do. Um, One of the things I do in an interview that's probably a little bit unique to our industry, we we really have a lot of young, talented people who have traveled the world. They're tech savvy. But I um, often uh, have them play a game of foosball with me in an interview to see, you know, how they can stand up to that kind of scrutiny because that's our culture. You know, we're a little Google-esque because we deal with Fortune 500 companies. We deal with the government sector and then major league sports teams and so i really need um people who come on board to be unafraid and and unashamed of who they are and what they know and if they beat you at foosball do they still get the job if they beat me at foosball they're done they're gone now (laughs) i've only i've only had i think one person beat me so far and and i think they still got the job so that's okay (laughs) well it sounds like you probably get more practice than they do so i would i would expect you to win That's right. So, uh, you know, really as a part of your role as CEO and you're responsible then for the leadership development of your staff at LTC, what what have you found has been the most effective or successful tools or programs in developing quality leaders within your organization? You know, I I really am a Lincioni fan. Do you know Lincioni? Not well enough. So why don't you maybe... Yeah, Patrick Lencioni, he has, I think his group's called the Table Group in Chicago, but he has a number of best-selling books out there, and and he has everything from, you know, the book I'm having on my desk right now, Reading the Advantage and the Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive, and anyway, he has maybe eight or nine of these. They're kind of like written as fables, and I take my team through a book uh, once or twice a year. We do, you know, quarterly off-sites, monthly planning, weekly evaluation and so we st- and a daily stand up so we stay in tune with what each other's thinking the new challenges and we really do share i've had um 
50-year-old executives come in and say, I've never had this kind of accountability or communication in any company I've ever worked in. And sometimes I take that as negative, and a lot of times I take it as positive because we have big challenges, and we got to face those challenges head-on as a team. It's not me out there as a superhero flying around by myself, you know, sort of like Superman. I need the team to work with me. Right. So, so it sounds like you have a pretty good process in place for an environment for people to uh, be accountable and to know where the company's going. And then, you know, kind of on top of that, do you have sort of some stated cultural values that you guys really stand on? Uh, yes, we absolutely do. We call it ARC, Available, Reliable, and Knowledgeable. So when we have people come into our organization, they obviously get a training binder, and they go through a number of uh, different foosball games with me or activities. We have cornhole in the office and uh things like that. But, you know, we want our staff to know that they need to be available to our clients. They need to be reliable in serving our customers and then knowledgeable about what we do. Oh, that's great. That's a great little acronym you have there that can easily allow people to understand what that is. I'm sure it goes very deep and it's very complex on how you deliver that. But it's nice when something can be simply explained on on an introductory level so that you can understand, your clients understand, your employees understand uh, it really is because new employees, you know, they want to figure out who are they and where's the water cooler and all those kind of things. But really, if you can hang your hat and say, these are our core values, you know, we really need you to sort of get it when you come in right away. We have them hit the ground running. And so I think something, you know, being that simple um, does let, it, let them hang their hat on it. Right, right. So there's certainly tools out there that people can utilize to translate something or to try to learn a new language, but I imagine given the growth that you've had uh, and the success that you had, there's got to be some something kind of different or unique about the way your company operates, uh, and maybe you can kind of expand on that for us. Sure. You know, I think what we've seen in, like, the translation industry is a lot of people have commoditized that, you know, and maybe even use, like, a Google Translate or something else. But what we do is full service. So we have a live person answer our phone 24-7. We do a lot of consulting and say, so you want to take this document to China so you have it translated, but have you really looked at it from a Chinese perspective of, you know, does this actually speak to them in their market, their size city, their group of people, their cultural norms? So when you wrote it, you wrote it for an American audience in an American city with an American background, an American idea. So we take it a step further and we say, of course, you know, if we just compete on a translation cost, you know, it's just a commodity. We're all in, you know, we're all in it to win it, but we differentiate ourselves by, you know, really giving hard um, feedback to our clients. We actually challenge them to be successful. In the language training arena, I would say we are the single best language company in the country because what we've done is we've taken a communicative methodology and inlaid it with inquiry-based education, and by golly, our people learn. So it's not this bottom-up, you know, discrete elements that you're learning about the language, but you learn the language in a high-interest, high-impact way that you come out of there, even in a month, I can have you speaking Chinese. Maybe we ought to do that on one of your shows, you know, and see how far you can get. And I'm not sure if I should share this, if I, but I think it's okay. But John Cena started learning Chinese about a year and a half ago for WWE. Today he can do interviews, you know, basic interviews in Chinese, and he's been dedicated. So that's one of our sort of sexy stories with the sports side of things. But 
if we just did grammar and vocabulary and word by word and build it up, he'd never be where he is right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah I had some experience in, in trying to learn some Russian. Uh, all three of my children we adopted from Russia. And uh, mm. so quite a bit, you know, I, I kind of found there were different ways that worked really well and other ways that you just feel like you're, you know, ramming your head up against a wall. Um, mm. You know, and, and I'm sure you heard this all the time, the most that I ever got was when I was there for a month, the last time I was there uh, for adopting my daughter, and, I, and no one spoke English where I was out in the middle of the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really picked up a lot then because I was, you know, you're forced to in a way that you're not normally forced to sitting at home, you know, trying to run some program or, or do some you know, something you bought at Staples or well, something, you know. Yeah, and what you're talking about is really the cognitive and the affective domain. So when you're sitting, you know, and pick up something you bought at Costco or online, you're really in the cognitive mode. And if you're in the cognitive mode, you're learning, you're, um, you know, like learning history or something. You still need to be what we call I plus one, one level above where a learner is at right now. But you have to um, overlay that with the affective domain. So if you're in a very tense or frightening situation or, conversely, you need to use it because you're in the middle of nowhere and there aren't a lot of people around, you tend to fight or flight. And so you tend to get it. You tend to concentrate and, and you make yourself known. And so really we are putting people in situations where they get to see how that's going to really be advantageous to them as a as you know, usually an employee or, you know, a government worker or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So so how do you evaluate success then in your organization, both from a company perspective and for your employees perspective? You know, one of the things we look at and we look on it on a monthly basis is uh what clients we retain. So we want to retain clients month after month, year after year. So we don't want to be like a fly-by-night, one-night one stand. We want the clients to stay with us. We, Our first company that we worked with was a local company, um, actually had at that time, it was Burringer Mannheim, you know, in Indianapolis, Indiana, and it's now Roche. Roche bought them. And so 21 years later, we're still working with Roche. And as they expanded, and they bought a little company called Janine tech in San Fran for $60 billion, they took us with them, and they've, they've purchased companies all around the United States, so we want to continue to, you know, serve the clients we have and extend our footprint, and that's how we really measure success. Mm-hmm. So as you're growing and you're, you're being more successful, then how do you make sure that employees feel valued? I mean, it sounds like you have a pretty good system of making sure they're you know, everyone is on track, everyone knows where you're going, everyone has accountability, but then there's also that you know, whether it's a small pat on the back or it's a maybe a game of foosball with the, with the boss, but you know, how, how do you make them feel, feel valued? Well, we re- we really look at you know what they see as valuable. Some people want time off. Some people like bonuses. A lot of people like you know the company outings we do. We go to a Cincinnati Reds game, or we have. Indiana Pacers, you know, we have game five tonight tickets. So we really make it something that they're interested in. And we're all different. So if people value time off, we're, you know, make sure that we're loading that off, um, loading that up for them so that they feel valued in their way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's big when you can have a differentiated policy. Um, and, and that can be difficult as you grow. You know, as you get more and more people, yeah. it can be harder to manage mm-hmm. and you need good people that can help make those decisions on what's appropriate and what's fair for, you know, the different people to make sure that the, that they feel, you know, like they're appreciated. And that's something we've had to deal with in my own company as we've grown, you know, it's like, how do you keep having that 
we have a very similar system in place where it's kind of really unique to the person uh, mm-hmm. and, and what they need. You know, like you said there are people who need time off. There are people who need more money. There are people who need who would rather just go do something fun, have an activity, or have a, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, that that it's uh, it's great to hear that you guys are doing that. I, I heard you mention earlier in the interview that. Uh, you're you're reading a book, so I'm I'm guessing you. And being a professor, I'm sure that you do a lot of of reading. So one of our favorite questions to ask our our guests is, "What are you reading right now?" And if you can tell us about that book or books. Well, you know, actually, I'm reading five books at the same time right now, and, and it is <laughs> it is unfortunate that people have to come in um, to a company that I'm a you know was a former professor because everyone who comes in, we actually give them readings that they have to do. They have to do write backs like assignments in school, where they send them to me, and I comment actually on their write back because I want to see their thinking. But right now, I am reading a new book by Patrick Lencioni called The Advantage, and at the same time, the other book he's uh, written, The Four of Sessions of an Extraordinary Executive. I have uh, Zig Ziglar's old book. I can't remember the title right there. Secrets to Closing a Sale. And and so and then another book, Getting a Grip. So, you know, there's a number of books on my shelf here that, um, not even on my shelf, but right on my table. And, and we do in each of the departments, we meet as a department each week, and each of the department reads a book. I just read them all. And so I participate in each of the department's discussions. Is there a book that uh, maybe right now that's kind of new and up and coming that you would recommend to an entrepreneur that's listening right now that they should check out? I would say, you know, Lencioni's the book, The Advantage, is is tremendous. I think it can change the way, especially um, CEOs or HR directors, work with their teams, work with their employees, manage and communicate. It's a fantastic book. Well, that's, that's great advice, and uh, don't forget we do post uh, the updates of the show. We give little recaps, uh, and we also list the books that our guest uh, suggests. So you can always sign up for uh, blog alerts by going to peopleg2.com and go to the blog section, sign up for the alerts there, and we'll send them to you every time we have them ready, and that way you don't have to worry about writing it all down. We'll send it right your way. Uh, continuing on here, I'd also like to kind of ask you about your creative process and you know, how you might uh, go about brainstorming effectively with your team. You know, really, again, we do sort of the whiteboard strategy where we have whiteboards all over the office and people can write things up. And we're really trying to figure out the value proposition, you know, that we bring to a customer or even internal. So we look at our, you know, the contractors we work with as internal customers and then our customers that we work with. So we're always looking at did we deliver what we promised? Did we deliver it the way they wanted to? And so I would say the creative process is people are really coming. They're looking at what's being shared. You know, they're looking at the ideas and they're adding to it. And then we come together and we stand around that and we make real decisions and standing in front of a, a whiteboard, we painted a whiteboard on one of our walls in our staff conference room. So everybody gets to share. Well, that, that, that's great. And are there, uh, as you're using the whiteboards, do you guys ever have to use any particular um, strategies or games or things to kind of get people, you know, to, to get out of their comfort zone and, and to, to really kind of dig deep into some of those creative avenues? 
You know, I think maybe at the beginning we did have to do some of those things. I think it's all about building trust on a team. So if you've built trust, I mean, I don't know that we have to, um, I don't think you use the word gimmick, but I think as long as people trust each other and really want to share and they know the value in it, they come ready to do that. So different teams are, um, if you talk about the executive team or sort of my translation team, they're, they're different. You know, translation is more sort of linear thinking, and we probably have to jumpstart how they approach a project, and we might have even like the marketing company come in and and help them look at something from a different way or give them feedback on what they're presenting to their clients. So, yeah, it's interesting as people collaborate cross-disciplinary. Yeah, yeah, that can definitely help when you get different groups of people looking at the same problem and thinking about things from a different perspective. But, yeah, sometimes we find just changing it up sometimes and throwing in a new way to to think about things creatively uh, can really help, uh, you know, people find a new way to think about something, find a new little, you know, great little uh, nugget of, of creativity that maybe we missed last month or the last time that we met. So we, we, we love doing that mm-hmm. over on our end. So maybe what advice would you have for our listeners that are really looking to develop the talent they have, I guess, both from an interpersonal standpoint and also from the standpoint of those employees that that they're overseeing, whether they're the CEO or they're, you know, mid-level manager, how do you kind of work to get the most out of each person? It's almost a, a dichotomy in, in terms of my answer here, and I really, you know, obviously hadn't thought about that, but I think if you can keep people two things, one is hungry, so they're always sort of stretching themselves, they're passionate, they're engaged, they love what they do, and then at the same time to be humble. So I think those two two unique value propositions work actually hand in hand, but they might seem opposed. But I think if I have a team who comes in as humble and says, you know, we really probably could have done better and, you know, here's some ways and, yes, our client is very, very happy and we take it in stride, you know, pat ourselves on the back but get going really quick and they're hungry to continue to extend that. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, being hungry is important. We, we sometimes we talk about it as mastery, always kind of working to improve yourself, always working to get better at something. And yeah, you know, there sometimes are some jobs where that can't. Maybe a person has a limitation on how much they can do in that job, but they can start to learn other jobs. They can learn other things. They can they can extend that into their personal life somewhere to have that hunger, like you said, uh, to be learning to to get better. And I think that's a kind of an important part of the of the human condition. Right, right. So, uh, you know, we, we've been talking about all this good stuff and nice stuff, but I'm wondering if you might uh, identify if there's been a painful lesson that you've learned in your career, whether it was your time in, in the academic world or, you know, with your company now, that maybe it was a kind of real important lesson for you that, uh, you know, really had a big impact on you and, and, and what and kind of what that was and, and, and how you were able to kind of change things. Yeah, you know, one of the things, and I think we we probably are all guilty of it if we're um, CEOs, A-type people, you know, we're probably driven. We expect everyone to be on the sort of the same wavelength and, um, in the same universe we're in. And I've, uh, I've learned that I can have the propensity to burn people out. So, you know, and I've seen that happen a couple of times, and I think I'm getting better at it. But, man, when you're growing fast and you're on that sort of miracle round and it starts spinning quickly, it's hard to stop it and tell one of your employees who's a key employee helping you grow to slow down, to take time for themselves, 
to get healthy. And I see, you know, I see that in a lot of my contemporaries too, because we push and drive hard, don't we? So I think, you know, people talk about balance and talk about, you know, work life, family balance. And I think it really should be something that we pay a lot of attention to. But for a small business owner who's, you know, trying to keep the lights on and everything juggled, it, it's, it's sometimes a real challenge. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. So, uh, Martin, I really appreciated uh, you being on the show today. We, we've learned a lot, and you've had a lot of great perspectives, and I think uh, listeners have certainly enjoyed hearing how you've uh, taken your company to such a successful point. Uh, maybe you could uh, let, if anyone out there is interested in any of the services that you have at the Language Training Center, how can they uh, reach you and find out more? Yeah, they can go to our website, of course, languagetrainingcenter.com, or they can give us a call, 888-456-1626, and they'll always get a live person, so 24-7 if uh, somebody calls us and they don't, let me know. Well, great. Well, uh, be sure to send me uh, more of those book recommendations as you uh, find more and have your staff read them. We'd love to, to have you share it our way on, on whatever you're seeing, but uh, and have you come back at some point and, and give us an update on how your company's doing. Sure, and I'll be at GroCo in uh, Nashville, Tennessee next week with uh, another Inc-type conference, so I don't know if you'll be there. But, yeah, I'd be happy to come back on, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, unfortunately, I won't be there. I'll be at my son's performance of The Music Man. So I had, uh, Dad oh. had to stay home this time from GroCo, but uh, the next yeah, one I'll be at. <laughs> right, hopefully in October. Yes, yeah, hopefully. So, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, Sh- uh, Charlene Lauby is coming up next after this quick commercial break. There's something positive about the word up. When things are looking good, they're looking up. When someone's down, you cheer them up. So how do you move up? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up, Brandman University. Brandman is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs. Brandman's online graduate programs in business and education also receive top honors. So look us up at brandman.edu. Brandman University. Move up. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information.
Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast of this show and listen to past shows by visiting either octalkradio.net or the talenttalkradioshow.com website. Uh, there you can uh, listen to any of the shows that you want, and we also have recaps on the blog at uh, peopleg2.com and click on the Blogs tab. Uh, since the show has uh, started, uh, we have already amassed a huge following. As I mentioned, over 22,000 people who are actively uh, downloading and listening to the show each week. And we really appreciate you. My next guest is Charlene Lauby, president of ITM Group and also the author of uh, the blog HR Bartender. Uh, don't forget to tweet your questions live right now for Charlene by sending them to at PeopleG2 and using the hashtag TalentTalk. So, Charlene, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and your company, uh, the ITM Group. Um, Well, I started the company about 12 years ago. Um, My background is in human resources. Primarily, I worked in the services-related industries. Um, I grew up in theme parks and hotels and airlines. And, um, you know, many years ago, my father-in-law gave me a piece of advice that um, I've always kind of stuck to, and that was, live what you want to live, and then go find a job there. And so I uh, decided 12 years ago to go out on my own and uh, start um, ITM Group. So we focus um, primarily in the training and development space. And and maybe also tell us a little bit about uh, HR Bartender. Oh, um, now HR Bartender is quite the story. Um, I've been out on my own, like I said, um, you know, over 10 years, and I work with um, my husband, who is my business partner, and he um, has a background in marketing and for years has said to me, you know, Charlene, you really need to start an electronic newsletter um, as a way to communicate with, um, you know, potential customers, you know, current customers, potential customers, just talking about, you know, what's going on, you know, what do you see happening in the HR space? And every time he would bring that up and he would say, you know, Charlene, you need to start this electronic newsletter, I would sort of look at him and say, well, you know, I don't know, because we're all busy people. And I know sometimes what happens to electronic newsletters. And, you know, they're in your inbox and the world gets really busy around us and often we have a heart full of good intentions to go and read that newsletter, but they start piling up. And so we say to ourselves, hey, you know, I'm going to read the next one, and we hit the delete button. And, you know, so every time he would bring it up, I would sort of, you know, hem and haw. And one night we're out at dinner, and he says, you know, you need to bring, you need to start this electronic newsletter. And I said, you know, I just don't want to do it. And so the conversation goes on, and he's like, well, you got to do something. And I said, well, I think I want to start a blog. And he's like, what do you know about blogging? And I'm like, absolutely nothing, but I'll figure it out. So the conversation goes on a little bit longer, and he finally looks at me, and he says, well, what are you going to call this blog? And I said, you're not going to like it. 
<laughs> I said, I want to call it, I want to call it HR bartender because I always thought as an HR pro, people wanted me to act like a bartender. You know, that friendly face that you see at the end of the day who, you know, laughs with you and, you know, just offers up options and advice to you. Right. And so as soon as I said that, he's like, we're going to go home and buy the domain name. And we did. And that's how HR bartender got started. Oh, that's a great story. And it, it's got a kind of a nice, uh, you know, you wouldn't expect the word bartender, to, and I don't really understand why, but it, you know, to be HR and bartender to be together, it's almost like, you know, drinking at work or something. So I think it has a nice little ring that it's interesting that you want to know more about it and you want to, you know, see what it's all about. So uh, congrats to you for, for picking that one up. It seems very interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm very proud of what we've been able to accomplish through the blog. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's really the reasons that I got started in blogging, you know, that substitute for the electronic newsletter isn't necessarily the reasons that I blog today. Um, you know, we, some of the most popular questions, we get questions um, that we're able to help people and answer their questions and reach out to other experts in, you know, different areas of human resources. So it's really nice to be able to um, give back and, um, you know, help people with um, their questions and their careers. Right, right. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, you obviously went through some growing pains and challenges that you know, all new business startups face. But can you talk a little bit about those challenges of when you really felt like ITM Group was kind of finally moving towards success? Well, when I first started um, consulting, I think that one of the one of the first things that I did before I ever became a consultant and went out on my own is I interviewed consultants for years. Um, I would, you know, whenever I had an opportunity to talk with a consultant, um, I, you know, let me buy you lunch, buy you dinner, buy you a cup of coffee, um, and pick your brain. Um, and I was very fortunate that a lot of people gave me a lot of advice. And I accumulated that advice, and I've always kind of kept it in the back of my mind when I started ITM Group. And when I started the company, you know, what you have a tendency to do is because you're trying to get customers and you're trying to, you know, build um, a client base, um, I cast a really wide net. And I was a generalist um, from a human resources perspective. And so if I, you know, cast a wide net as far as the kinds of work that I could do. Um, but I found that really over the course of time that when I looked at why people were really calling me, and the projects that I was really getting involved in, it had to do with training and organizational development. And so, you know, we started to make the conscious decision that that was the kind of work that we were going to do. And I know it's sometimes, especially when we're coming off times like the Great Recession, it sometimes can feel a little odd when somebody calls and you know that you can do the work, um, but that's not the best use of your time. So I think that one of the big challenges for not only me, but for any business um, owner is to understand the difference between what you can do and what you should be doing. Right, right, and, that, and that's huge. I mean, there's so many things that you can do. There's so many different ways that you can try to sell yourself. And, you know, you'll, if you talk to some successful people, they usually tell you, to, especially when you're starting out, is to pick a niche, pick an area where, you know, you can really make a difference, where you can really deliver something impactful. 
Um, and you may end up expanding on that over time as your clients are asking you for more. But it's I think when people go out there and say, I can do it all, right? And that's usually when they fail uh, because they're trying to do it all and they're not really identifying who the right fit is for them to help them grow their business. You know, it's interesting this weekend, um, HR Bartender runs on a platform called WordPress. And down here, I live in South Florida, and, and in South Florida, they had um, WordCamp. Um, it's an annual event that brings together different WordPress users of different varieties, um, you know, people doing many, many different kinds of things with a WordPress platform um, to talk about WordPress and how you can really make the most of using it. Um, and we've been going to the event now for several years. And at the event, they had a consultant up there talking about how to price projects. And one of the things that he was talking to the group about is when you become a specialist, then you can charge more. You know, that sometimes you water down your own opportunities by um, casting that wide net and saying that, you, like you mentioned, you do a little bit of everything. Um, instead of just trying to be a specialist in something and then being able to um, set your pricing accordingly. Right, right. So what do you see that makes your organization really unique or different from you know, other companies that are in the same market? Well, we um, we do two things. Um, one, I do custom work, um, so we do write training programs, do instructional design work, and we also have um, leadership programs that um, we can deliver to organizations that maybe aren't necessarily looking for custom um, deliverables. The thing that I really like about our training programs is that they are rooted in science. So we look at it from the standpoint of we're going to teach you the theory and we're going to teach you how to apply the theory because once you know that piece of information, then you're equipped with the knowledge to use it forever. Otherwise, if I don't teach you the theory, then you never really understand the root of it. And this way, um, when you go through one of our training programs, I kind of feel like, we're giving you an education that, that never goes away. Right. So usually an important part of, of any sort of training program is, is how you communicate it and ensure that those people that you're training are hearing it, listening to it, understanding it, and then incorporating it. So, you know, do you have some ways that you might suggest that companies effectively communicate, you know, their, you know, their, their values and their the, kind of the core you know, things to their company as a starting point to, to, to new employees as they're coming in the door? There are several different ways you can communicate your values. Um, you know, a lot of organizations today, I think a lot of, let me back up, I think a lot of candidates today are looking to find out information about companies before they ever apply. Um, so I think for um, organizations that are doing hiring right now, you want to have uh, information about your core values on your company website, on your career site, uh, if you have a LinkedIn company page or a product page, those are all great places to be constantly reinforcing your values because people who are looking to connect with your organization see your values then before they ever apply and they have some sense of what they are. Um, I think 
as part of the recruiting process, you know, when you talk about hiring people that align with your values, don't wait until the interview to tell people what your values are. I mean, I think they, they can be a great marketing opportunity. So I noticed that one of the kind of key philosophies of the ITM group was that you know, in every new organization, your most valuable resources are always your human resources. And, you know, I think that's really a tribute to the people you have in place and also to, to the HR department at large as well. Um, we really noticed a, a big difference in how uh, HR is really being integrated into companies over the last few years, um, more of, of in a strategic role instead of a tactical role. But you know, as you work with companies, uh, where do you feel most of them kind of falter when it comes to their strategic management and, you know, how they deal with their human capital? That's really interesting. I would say that the majority of my clients um, are not necessarily hiring me because of a falter, but more of a, I'm an extension of the human resources department. What I find is that a lot of times I'm being hired to um, be an extension of HR or an extension of the business, not because the business has something wrong that they need to fix, but that they're looking for uh, an extra set of hands. So organizations today, one of the things they think they're doing is they're spending their money wisely, and in doing so, they're looking for those moments where they say to themselves, do I need to hire a full-time person in order to do X, or is this something that I should bring a consultant in and use that consulting those consulting dollars strategically because I don't necessarily need somebody on a full-time basis or maybe even on a part-time basis? My clients, that's how my clients use me uh, from that standpoint. So if I had to say that there was a falter, um, it's sometimes that companies don't realize that that's a way that they can utilize their consulting dollars. You know, go out there and build a relationship with a consultant that when you need that person, they can come in, they know your organization, they can hit the ground running, and they can be an extension of the company without being an employee. And they're not, a, they're not, you know, sometimes you hear about, you know, this consultants are a threat to the organization. You know, maybe employees think, oh, you know, the consultant's going to say such and such about me. But really, the consultant is, how do I say, you know, helping you um, do what you already know how to do just faster. You know, the, my clients um, know how to do this work. They just need it done faster. They need somebody to be totally dedicated to it while they're running off um, taking care of the operation. So my clients um, just view me as an extension of the business. Well, and, and you, you mentioned something really important earlier about, you know, it's it, it's about identifying that consultant, that person, you know, ahead of time so that when it's the right time to come in the door, they can hit the ground running. And I think that really goes into a, a larger problem that a lot of organizations have, and that's to start to do some of that cultivating work, to start planting some of those seeds early. You know, I think if, if companies had to, um, 
you know, if they didn't have other things going, you think sometimes they would starve. I mean, they just, it's like they don't ever think to go out and, and plant the seeds for what they need to eat next year. They're, you know, kind of running around when it's too late. Um, and that goes in for who they might need from a consultant, but it also really gets into things like talent development and trying to create leaders. I mean, to start to work on, on people that you have that are great in your organization now so that they're maybe ready to step into someone's shoes down the road if that person were to leave or you know they're going to leave with succession plan and things like that. So maybe do you have any advice for companies? I mean, other than to, you know, just to do it, but, you know, with some of the challenges that they face, how do they start to think about these things before they're needed to make sure they're de- developing talent and creating leaders and, and you know kind of keeping the right people in the organization? It's an excellent point. I think especially over the last few years um, when maybe budgets have been a little lean, you can see that training has moved down on the priority list, but you're starting to hear companies make the comment, we need to make that investment back in our um, in our employees and in our organization because it's only going to benefit us in the long run. Companies today are very, very focused. There's a lot of conversation about employee engagement, almost to the point where I think it's turning into this corporate buzzword, but we have to move beyond how many times we hear the word and realize how important engagement really is to the organization. And we also have to realize that we cannot achieve engagement if we don't allow employees to stay, um, and, you know, or they don't stay within the organization uh, because you can't engage somebody who's got one foot out the door um, or, you know, really does listen to that headhunter when they call. So being able to make an investment in your employee base um, is showing your employees that you care about them. It's recognizing that you value them and that you believe that they have a future with the organization. So um, part of this is bringing training back into the organization. And it's not just, I mean, you know, we're talking about leadership right now, but there are lots of different kinds of training. And I think that that's what organizations need to focus on. I mean, so if you say right now, uh, I don't... I don't want to put in place a leadership development program. I'm not ready to put a leadership development program in place. There are other kinds of training out there that are not leadership development that would benefit every single employee that you have. Um, Things like problem solving, uh, how to make excellent decisions, how to work in a collaborative environment, communication skills, these are all um, training programs, um, opportunities to that will benefit every single person within the organization. One of our most popular training programs is a program on self-management. You know, as organizations have um, come out of the Great Recession, some organizations and some of them are actively pointing out the fact that they are not going to refill at the same level of management. So they're going to operate leaner than they have in the past. And if you're going to do that, 
which is fine. It's great. Um, you know, everybody loves a leaner organization, but that means that employees have to be given the skills in order to deal with some things on their own. You know, they have to know how to manage themselves. They have to know how to solve their own problems. They have, they have to know how to fix other conflicts that they have with other employees. And so one of the, our most popular programs is called the Six Principles of Self-Management. And we use that in organizations to give employees some of the skills that they need in order to operate in today's leaner organization. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's a really big thing that we're seeing. And, you know, having people, and it's one thing to say, hey, we want you to self-manage, we want you to be able to solve problems, but there's a lot of things that have to be in place and that really can start from the top and having the right culture in place because if employees don't understand what the overall goal is, what the value system is, it's hard to de- really decide on what the answer is or how do you solve that problem uh, and institute the you know the what the resolution will be without kind of knowing all of that, you know, kind of trying to guess well how would the CEO want me to handle this without having to go to the CEO? How would how would my manager want me to handle this without having to go to them every time? And so that it really it seems like a heightened um, need for for companies to spend more time on educating their their employees. Like, like you said, some simple educational training type things can really be hugely beneficial, even if you're not doing a real talent management type of a system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and look, kind of looking at your past and what you've talked about so far, you kind of it sounds like you've gone through a couple different you know, uh, stages uh, from your own work career and and the things that you're doing within the HR world. So I was kind of curious if you thought that you have changed as a leader over time. My feelings about leadership have changed over time. Uh, You know, I was really, I I believe when when I was first exposed to leadership, we always think about it in the context of leadership and management, and we have a tendency to compare the two, Um, you know, and that's where the conversation always seems to be, this manager versus leader, and over the course of time, I've realized that leadership exists at every level in the organization. Leadership to me is really about influence, and it's having the ability to influence. And if you think about leadership in that context, every single person in the organization, it doesn't have anything to do with your title or how long you've been there. It has to do with um, everybody being able to influence, which we can. And so, therefore, everyone is a leader. And that's a little bit different than I think the um, a traditional uh, initial conversation that people expose us to where leadership is concerned, that manager versus leader concept. Right, right. I mean, it's uh, there are two different things. But, uh, you know, so, but from a, maybe a personal perspective, do you think if you look back 20 years ago, do you, do you feel like you, your style of leadership has changed at all? I've been very fortunate in my career to work for um, some really wonderful people. I'm sure that my style of leadership has changed over the years. Would you identify with maybe some of those people that had a big impact on your leadership development? The leaders that have had the most impact on my development, I think, were the ones who were toughest on me. And some people might not respond to that well, um, but for me, that was 
really where I've learned some of my biggest um, business lessons. Um, the people who said, we know you can do this and we're going to push you. Um, so from that standpoint, uh, I always um, thank the, the the people in my career who were the hardest on me. You might not you might not think that at the time that it's going on, but the people who have been the hardest on me have um, really um, helped my career a lot. Yeah. And for that, I am very grateful. Well, one of the things that uh, you know we, we love to ask our uh, guests on the show is, you know, what are you reading right now? And maybe you can kind of tell us about that. I am a biography nut, so I have a tendency to read any kind of true story. I love um, biographies. I'll read just about anybody's biography. Um, so I just finished uh, reading Julia Child's biography, which was really fabulous. And right now, believe it or not, I'm reading the history of the Federal Witness Protection Program. I know it probably sounds really odd, but I became interested in this television show. It's it's off the air now. I mean, it's actually um, been gone for a few seasons um, called In Plain Sight, Mm -hmm. where it was talking about the Federal Witness Protection Program. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I was like fascinated about the Federal Witness Protection Program, and it ends up that there's a book out there about the gentleman who started the program and how and when it got started and and how it kind of came into being. And so it's a very fascinating read if you're interested in, you know, uh, the marshal service and government and, and that kind of thing. Oh, that does sound interesting. We, we've had a few people, entrepreneurs and HR people, that have come on the show that have mentioned biographies being something that they really enjoy uh, reading. Uh, it's just kind of understanding. I, I guess it's some of what we do here. We bring someone on the show and we ask them questions and try to understand them better and how what makes them tick. And that's what you're doing in a biography as well, is understanding what they went through and what brought them uh, to become the person that they were. So it, it, it makes a lot of sense. So, uh, you know, Charlene, can you let us know uh, if people are interested in learning more about the ITM group or having you come in and, and, and be a, cons- a consultant for them? Uh, how can they uh, reach you? And also, how can they reach uh, the, the blog that you do? Um, they're interested in training solutions. I would love for them to check out the ITM group website. Um, it's a simple, itmgroupinc.com. And if you just want to find out a little bit more about me and my style and, and my thought process, I know a lot of people want to read a little bit um, to, to understand where I came from. Check out HR Bartender, hrbartender.com. And you can follow me at, on Twitter at hrbartender, and I'd love to connect with you. Well, Charlene, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. We look forward to bringing you back at some point and uh, getting an update. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And um, everybody have a great afternoon. All right. That's about all the time we have for today. Thanks again to my uh, guests, Martin George and uh, Charlene Lauby. Uh, tune in next week at the same time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'll actually have a uh, one of uh, our past shows being replayed. It will be off next week uh, for live guests, but we'll have one of our best shows being replayed. So tune in and listen. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today.
You've been listening to Town Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions.